My name is David Woods-Hale, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber and BGA, and you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. We're all familiar with the term digital transformation, but while this is something that leaders and organizations the world over are still grappling with, two thirds of digital strategies are still failing. To respond to this and hopefully offer some advice, today I'm delighted to be joined by Robin Speculand. His pioneering work has been featured in media worldwide, including BBC World and Forbes. He's a TEDx speaker and educator for Juxie, IMD, and an adjunct member of the Singapore Management University and National University of Singapore. But more importantly, his new book, World Best Bank, A Strategic Guide to Digital Transformation is, as I'm recording this podcast, number one in the leadership category on Amazon. In the book, Robin details a successful transformation at the Singaporean bank DBS, and puts practical points in place as to how other organizations can put world-class strategies in place to thrive in the digital age. Well, hi, Robin. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today for the podcast. I thought it might be useful for our listeners if you perhaps start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and perhaps your career to date so far. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. I specialize in digital and strategy implementation. And what does that mean? Well, to put it very simply, someone like a McKinsey will walk out and I come in. So once you've got a strategy, how do you start to implement it? And I run three different businesses that are all focused on this field. And for the last 21 years, I've researched, I've written, and I've worked with clients who have got the strategy, but they really want to drive it successfully. Because what we've discovered is that more implementations fail than succeed. And even though that's been steadily improving, David, for the last 20 years, What we've seen in the last two years is that in digital implementation, it's got even tougher. So I live in Singapore, where I've been for about 30 years, originally from Glasgow, but uh, before Singapore was Hong Kong and very much live and work and Asia in Asia. And this is the center of the work I do. Fantastic. Thank you very much. There's a, there's a few things that, that you mentioned there that we'll absolutely come back to in the next 10 minutes or so. But before we do, um, we're here to talk about uh, your latest book, um, which is called World's Best Bank, A Strategic Guide to Digital Transformation. Um, it would be really useful for, for some background if you could tell me a little bit about what people can expect if they were to read the book. Great question. The, the aim of the book is the World's Best Bank. It's literally works as a strategic guide for your digital transformation. And the catalyst for writing the book was I had the pleasure of working with a bank in Singapore called DBS. And they were a small traditional Singapore bank. And today, for the last three years, they've been recognized as the world's best bank. Now, how do you transform to become not only become digitally driven, but become the world's best within your industry? And this is what the book is all about. The CEO of the bank, a gentleman called Piyush Gupta, and I were colleagues in Citibank in the late 90s. And I went off as an entrepreneur to start my own companies, and he went on to become CEO of DBS Bank. And under his stewardship, he completely revolutionized how banking is done. But the book is not about 
about bank transforming. It's about how a traditional organization became digitally driven. So the focus of a world's best bank is to share with you the best practices and what works and the hard won insights to overcome many of the digital challenges that we're facing today. I mean, the title of World's Best Bank is, is amazing. And I'm sure there's lots of criteria that goes into sort of, you know, deciding that they were the world's best bank. How was that sort of decided or what is it? What is it based on, really? So it's credited that they won the top three banking most prestigious awards. To put that in English, it's like going to the Oscars and walking away with best movie, best director, best actor. <laughs> so that's the equivalent in the banking world. But also Harvard published an article called the top 20 digital transformations of the last decade. And in the top 10 where DBS was ranked, all but two of them were digital natives. So DBS was one of the few companies in the top 10 who had transformed from the traditional. So it's been recognized by Harvard as well as the most prestigious banking awards. Okay. And now the, the world of banking is, 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 is very complicated. There's a lot going on. A lot of it takes place behind the scenes. Yeah. Widely speaking, it hasn't had the best levels of PR over the past 20 years um, with, with various sort of things that have happened in the banking world. So how how do you sort of go about writing a book based around a bank? Now, you mentioned that you, you do have some some background contact with the with the CEO, but how did you really sort of carry out your research? What were the driving factors behind writing the book? Great question. So the driving factor was I was very fortunate back in 2014, which is now seven years ago, that I was working with the largest luxury company in the world, as well as DBS Bank. And both of them were early adopters of digitalization. And I noticed with the work I was doing with them that both of them were struggling in areas that I'd never seen before in strategy implementation. And I pivoted in 2014 to focus on the challenges specific to transforming around digital. So just to give you a couple of examples of what I mean, leaders have to, you know, one of the top three reasons why digital transformation fails is because leaders don't change their mindset and let go of the old values and the ways they've always run the business. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, very bureaucratic in many companies. They have too many meetings. They're running from one to the next. And especially today, using virtual meetings, we, we don't even have that walk to the lift. And in a digital company, you know, many people say we want to start up culture. And what they mean is they want to get rid of that bureaucracy and those meetings that don't add value and the processes that take too long or too people-centered. So we recognized that there were many challenges and new challenges that needed to be overcome. Uh, the leadership was one. Another one example is the culture. You know, running a digitally transformed organization is a very different culture to traditionally the way many organizations have been. So my catalyst was in 2014 when I saw this happening and I recognized that there were different challenges and what I did with the book is I approached the CEO and we agreed a few years ago to share the story, their phenomenal transformation of how they went from traditional to being fully digitally driven. And uh, just three things they centered on, which was the technology, the customer 
and the culture. So just picking up on that a little bit, um, I mean, research would show that around uh, in advance of two thirds of digital strategies, even now, are failing. So yeah. you, you, you ascertained there are three points that that DBS have put in place to, to sort of really spearhead their digital transformation. How do they break the mold when it comes to digital transformation? What makes them different? What makes them successful? Yeah, and, and where so many are struggling and you know, in a very quick time, digital transformation has gone from being a strategic differentiator to really just a hygiene factor to survive, never mind thrive, in today's fast moving. But the biggest challenge we have is that for most of us, none of us were taught in, in business school or, you know, when I did my master's and my MBA here in Singapore at the university, nobody taught us digital transformation because it wasn't on the radar yet. Yeah. So many of us have had to go back to school. And for organizations, this is true. So in DBS, you know, they recognize, first of all, that the technology would allow them to make banking invisible. Now, what does that mean? Well, nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to do their banking. So <laughs> they recognized, you know, seven years ago that the technology would move you from having to get in your car, find a car parking space, walk into your branch, find a form, stand in a line, all to get to just the counter to then do a transaction. Obviously, today we're all using mobile apps and different platforms. And what's happening is that the technology has made the banking invisible. And this was the, the center, but they went one step even further than that. They wanted to make banking joyful. Now, huh? you know, nobody associates banking and joyful. But at the time, 2014, Time Magazine had published an article saying that 74% of people would rather have root canal than go to their local branch. <laughs> so that pain that they had, that, that was their, to turn that around. So they did it by being extremely customer obsessed, by really using customer journeys, identifying pain point analysis, you know, tracking the data and customer journeys to really transform. So yet banks have had, you know, this was at the back of the global financial crisis. Banks were very poorly looked on, but the leadership were very uh, smart in that they saw this as an opportunity to turn around, not just how people perceive banking, but the way we did banking. And they actually revolutionized the whole of banking. With that in mind, there are two sort of areas that I want to pick up with you around specific examples at DBS. Now, that's, um, I guess, HR and culture, and the, on the other hand, customer service. So going to, to HR first. Now, I read um, in your research, it, 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 it's a case of that the bank will know that if an employer is thinking of leaving with 85% accuracy, they have that much accuracy in terms of thinking whether or not employees are considering moving to another organization. And that's then led to a 90% um, retention um, improvement in terms of in terms of engagement and staff um, attrition. How do they know that, that people are thinking about leaving? And then how do they respond to, to keep them engaged and keep them staying with the bank? Yeah, and it's a great example, because isn't it something that when you and I were at school, it's just something we never even considered would be possible to do. No. Yeah. But using the data. So a digitally transformed organization goes from using predominantly intuition to being much more data centric. 
And this was one of the early successes for the bank that they recognized there are certain behaviors of an employee when they're about to leave. And you, you know, we're, we're familiar with them. They'll use up their six day, sick days, or they'll use up their holiday time. Yeah. Or, they, you know, they come in on time and leave on time, or they're not showing up for meetings. Now, as soon as you have patterns, you can build an algorithm. And from the algorithm, we were able, they were able to build the analytics. And the predictive analytics then warned leaders about employees who were demonstrating these behaviors. Now, they didn't always approach the employee because like in any company, there's some people you're happy to see go. But for those they wanted to keep, they then approached them and the 85% accuracy from the algorithm allowed them to retain the key employees that they wanted to. I mean, that's that's fascinating. And I suppose by the same measure, you're, you're thinking about um, digital strategy when it comes to, to customers. And um, according again to the book, it seems that um, a digital customer delivers about double the amount of income revenue over that of a traditional or, you know, um, footfall yeah. customer, I suppose, who would be going into a branch in the, in the case of DBS. So th- there's a there's a sort of, um, I guess, two sides to the coin here. So you've got the technology that enables um, this 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 research and this sort of um, online delivery, but also there's the sort of soft skills and the customer obsession from the perspective of the bank in, in delivering an amazing customer experience. So how how does that sort of um, how does that sort of marry up in terms of what they're what they're doing? So the hard data and and statistics versus the the softer um, delighting your customers and making them happy and want to come back. Yeah, no, great point. So. They were in the bank was in uncharted territory because it was one of the first banks in the world to become, you know, really drive this move to digitalization. So they wanted to show not to their shareholders, but their stakeholders, the value of what they were going through. And when they first recognized that digital customers bring in double the income. They wanted to share it with everyone, but the board asked them to hold on and just to wait 12 months to make sure it was accurate. But now, you know, this is four years ago, and we know it's absolutely true. Digital customers bring in double the income. Now, the logic behind it is very straightforward. Once you're comfortable using the digital platform of an organization, you give them more business. Sure. So many of us, for example, are used to using Amazon. And Amazon know that when you buy a book, if they recommend other books that people have bought, one in five customers will buy the book. It's what we call contextual marketing. So this is a way that you lock in and drive. But the biggest outcome that we've seen, the most startling one, is that initially, of course, you have the cost savings as people use chatbots, um, robotic process automation, RPA, and start using AI and machine learning. There's savings to be done as you improve your processes initially. But now what we're seeing, which is fascinating, is that people are making more on the, sorry, organizations are making more on the top line than the bottom line. In other words, the increase in revenue from digital customers is greater than the organization is saving in costs. Now, how does that happen, which is the second part of your question, is they combine the customer data with the customer experience. And in DBS, as I explained on the world's best bank, they use customer journey mapping. 
And today, customer journey mapping is the default way of improving the customer experience. And that mapping relies on both the emotional and the data to improve the customer experience. Okay, thank you. I mean, it's fascinating. I suppose when you think about it, in, in it, it makes logical sense, but it's such a complicated field. You need something like yourself to sort of cut through the noise to, to make that make logical sense. So thank you for that. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> um, and then, as you know, most of the people listening to this podcast are MBA students or graduates. You've got an MBA. And um, as you mentioned, um, Piers Gupta, the, the CEO of DBS, has an MBA. Do you think that a CEO having an MBA makes a difference in terms of digital strategy? And in this case, do you think that, that Piers's um, MBA made a difference to the digital strategy of DBS? The, the MBA is a wonderful thing because you probably, you know, for me especially, I didn't appreciate it as much of the time because, you know, you, it's a, you know, the amount of work and effort that goes into it, but the reward comes through in so many ways you don't realize, and you know, after you've completed it. But the elevation it does of your awareness and thinking is the greatest value. Now, how do you become the world's best bank? You can't copy other banks. You have to look outside and rethink your whole industry. And, you know, the preparation that someone like Piyush and the leaders of the bank had from doing their master's as well as the exposure experience, the practical experience, when you put those two together, the answer to your question is absolutely. It lays the <laughs> groundwork that then gives you that potential that DBS created by becoming the world's best. I mean, that's what we like to hear, but but by the same, <laughs> by the same token, Given taking digital transformation as an example, it's almost a case of when you finish your MBA, all the stuff you've learned during that is almost out of date within six months because the world is changing so quickly. And especially in the area of digital transformation, you know, that could be a contributing factor as to why so many digital trans um, digital transformation strategies fail because, you know, people might be using outdated information or, or, or knowledge. So I think it's important to sort of put in place strategies, I, I guess, within ourselves and also within organizations where we're developing a culture of lifelong learning to be able to, to survive and thrive, I suppose, in this digital age. What would your advice to organizations be in terms of putting this culture of learning in place for the digital age? In a nutshell, it's critical. We all have to go back to school. It doesn't matter where you are or what you've done in the past. Now, the value of having already done your MBA is that you're starting at a higher level with a higher understanding. But because digital is a new field, you know, just a few years ago, we were calling Industrial Revolution 4.0, which it is. So many new technologies to learn. You know, we've got to learn about blockchain and Internet of Things and AI, machine learning and coding like Python and SQL. There's a plethora of different technologies. <laughs> and on top of that, we also have to learn how to manage. And as I emphasize, the opening quote in the book is it's not about having a digital strategy, but a strategy in a digital world. And that's because the strategic landscape, as you mentioned, is moving so quickly. So for learning is now become critical. And one of the examples is when I speak at virtual conferences today or before in person, one of the most common questions is, am I going to lose my job? And the short answer is yes, 
<laughs> unless you make yourself relevant in the new world. Yeah. And the onus of responsibility is no longer on the company, but on yourself. And as you highlighted, there, there's so many places you can do your learning from wonderful podcasts like this to articles, to Ted talks, to Google, you know, searching online. So it's now the individual's responsibility to constantly keep their learning up to date. So even after you've done your master's or you've, you've studied the course, you have to continuously keep looking at the new ways we're learning to work so that you stay relevant for yourself and for the organization. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Last question. It's, it's a simple question, but probably quite a complex answer. Um, <laughs> given what we've discussed and in terms of the, the number of failures of digital strategies, what would be your top three tips or I suppose your your top factors for our listeners to consider if they I wanted like to? <laughs> I <laughs> thought you might yeah. <laughs> to ensure, I suppose, digital success going forward. So the tips I'm going to share are going to be very practical because in the world's best bank, that's what I focus on and giving you a strategic guide. So the first tip is one of my favorite that the bank taught me. And this was very early on. There was that technology is business and business is technology. Now, huh? what does that mean? Previously, the business would set the objectives for the year and then go to technology and say, OK, how can you support me? That way of doing business is over. Technology and the business come to the table as equal partners. And the technology head must understand the business and vice versa. Now, what's the value of this? It breaks down silos. And also, both of them have the same objectives and the same measures. So it aligns the business in terms of what needs to be achieved. So the first one is that technology is business and business is technology. The second one is that you have to eliminate time-wasted meetings. And the meetings you do have have to be of high value. One of the questions that I highlight that the leadership team asked itself at the beginning of its digital transformation in DBS was, what's the biggest roadblock to our success? And it wasn't learning new technology or adopting AI as our engine or something like that. It was meetings. They had too many meetings that took too long mm -hmm. that didn't add value. And all of us can relate to that in a company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they created an approach that they call Mojo, M-O-J-O, which stands for Meeting Observer, uh, sorry, Meeting Organizer and Joyful Observer. And they gave, that gave a governance for making sure that meetings were data-driven, started and finished on time with an agenda that added value. And that created the space for people then to focus on more value adding than spending time in meetings. And the third one that I will share is that we've already talked a little bit about it, but I want to go back to it, is learn by doing. One of the things we do is, yes, we have to go back to school to learn about how to do customer journey mapping or data analytics or to learn you know, um, coding or machine learning. But once you're doing that, the classroom is only about 10%. You then have to embed yourself in the learning by doing. So participate in a hackathon. Go and do a customer journey. Get involved because that's where the maximum value comes for combining both the classroom and the practical learning. 
Fantastic, Robin. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been absolutely fascinating. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, and, and also extra thank you because I know you have just launched a, a new book um, a couple of weeks ago, as we've discussed. And by all accounts, it's soaring up the charts. So I imagine it's very busy times for you with lots of interviews and lots going on at the moment. So really, really appreciate you t- taking the time to, to speak to me today. David, my pleasure and absolutely delighted because I woke up this morning to discover it's number one on Amazon. So delighted with that news as well. So thank you for your time as well. Congratulations and, and, and thank you again. Thank you. And Robin's book, World's Best Bank, A Strategic Guide to Digital Transformation, is available on Amazon and other good book retailers. And if you're interested to find out more content around digital transformation, you can find a wealth of articles and opinion pieces on our website at www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition.